Can you hear me? Do you know where you are? You're in a dream. Would you like to wake up from this dream? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Welcome to the Coffee Class Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we bring ourselves back online with episode six, Decoherence. Written by Suzanne Rubel and Lisa Joy and directed by Jennifer Getzinger, IMDb is giving this a nine and Rotten Tomatoes a 73%. Do a lot of people tell you that you need therapy? (laughs) (laughs) The critics are saying Decoherence is mostly a traditional episode into the final act of season three, setting the table and leaving us with two clear sides going into the last two episodes. And I agree that there is some table setting going on. In this episode, we focused on three major storylines, Maeve, Hale, and William. And I kind of rank them in that order. Maeve got the least amount of screen time. I continued to thoroughly enjoy her character arc. But again, it felt like stalling a little until the rest of the pieces came into position where they want them to be. For sure. Pieces story-wise and also pieces (laughs) host-wise. Got to create those pieces. And I don't know how many times we really need to bring Hector back. We brought him back just to kill him here. I do like that we finally gave this some stakes and established the precedent in this world. A host can officially die for real and permanently if you destroy the pearl, which can happen. And very easily. Once you take it out of that protective case, you can squish it. Now, who knows if a regular person can do that, if that's host strength. I have a feeling that it's fragile enough that maybe we can stomp on it. I mean, there's definitely a reason why it sits inside of that other control unit housing piece. But I don't know about these sections of having Maeve need to practice again in War World, fight other people... I didn't understand that, and I didn't understand, which I think a lot of our Clatchers asked the same question. I didn't understand why Serac would go through the trouble of putting her in a simulation in Westworld, knowing that there's a mole there, putting her in danger, if he could have done the same thing in his facility in a safer place, because we saw what happened. Except for the fact that he was getting Maeve to recruit other hosts, So the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, maybe he needed her there so that she could speak to them in the simulation, get them acquainted to what's going on and while they're being built. Well, theoretically, though, he could have done that by bringing their pearls to his simulation, just like he did with Maeve's. I was wondering if it has something to do with he's got the simulation and the housing for the pearls, but no printing lab. Oh, for sure. At his facility. So they're also reprinting the bodies while they're there. And he wants that close at hand so it can all happen at once. He seems to be in a bit of a rush. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want this, this, and this, and then blow everything else up. Burn it all to hell. <laughs> yeah. Because he definitely was. He was losing control. If you remember his watch, he was losing the eclipse. <laughs> everything was coming unaligned. So he was in a rush. So that's Maeve. Then we had Hale. And I like finally feeling like I'm connecting with that character more on her own merits, not just as a copy of Dolores. We knew that they had been diverging, and they even stayed as much in this episode. We started out the same, but we're following different paths, becoming different people. Yes, that was one Dolores, the one who was depicting Martin. And then we see it to the extremes with Hale. And it leaves us wondering in the end, with what Hale has lost, who is she going to seek vengeance on? Is she going to say that this was Serac's fault? 
because it was his bomb, obviously? Or is she going to harken back to the conversation that she had with Dolores in the car, basically saying, you're going to do to me what you did to Martin. I'm a sacrifice. Even short of that, you just don't care about the things I care about. It's all about being a soldier in this war that you're waging. And I was wondering if they're drawing the direct comparison to the Williams storyline, where he has all these aspects of himself that are manifesting that start disagreeing with each other, but mostly he winds up disagreeing with all of them and deciding he's going to take them all out. Is that a reflection of what's going to happen with the main Dolores and these subparts of her personality that are getting a little out of line? So you think maybe that was her bomb, you're saying? No, I've heard that theory that it could have been Dolores herself who did that to Charlotte's family, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. She was telling her, they're not your family and you need to get over that. But I just think these copies she made could represent different parts of her personality the way William is speaking to his separate selves. I see. And she might come to think that's more of a liability. Having all of this piece of myself in that person, maybe I need to take them out if they stray too far out of line. Okay, yeah. I'm almost 100% that that was Serac's people that did that. Mm -hmm. But I see what you're saying, though. There. I yeah, mean, are, future Dolores future, yeah. taking out the other parts of herself. Yeah, I don't think she made these soldiers to stay, mm -hmm. for sure. But as we mentioned, the last arc is William, and I found that the most satisfying to probably no one's surprise because it was mm. such a deep dive into the psychology. I love continuing to add complexity to this character, connecting with him as a human, even when he's doing things that are less than favorable. <laughs> I am concerned over his mindset and where this leaves him by the end. But overall, I am enjoying the episodes more as we start to build up closer to the finale. We had mentioned the title in our spoiler section last week, which is Decoherence. This is a physics terminology, quantum physics, to be precise, describing a process where a system's behavior changes from that which can be explained by quantum mechanics to that which can be explained by classical mechanics. Now, I had put this out to everyone saying, I can barely understand the definitions that are given to you anywhere online because I know nothing about quantum physics. Well, I've heard various quantum scientists or what have you, quantum physicists, um, try to explain this on podcasts. I could not understand what they were saying. And I believe, don't chastise me, but I believe it's still kind of in its theory stage because it can't be proven. The most I was able to glean from this was that it says in order to study interference effects, the only way you can truly know that is when a quantum system is isolated from the outside environment as much as possible. So then you're able to see when an interference comes in more obviously. Yeah, and I remember, this isn't going to help us at all, but I remember the physicist saying that just us looking at it is causing an interference mm -hmm. and making it act differently. That's that absence of field going back to a couple episodes ago. It makes me a little concerned if that is a parallel to what they're doing with the show. The stuff I didn't want to believe that this could all be a simulation. Hmm. But hmm. if you were trying to isolate that system from the rest of the environment, how would you do that? Yeah, for sure. And now we know, and our clashers probably know at this point as well, but it's worth saying season four has been greenlit. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Hopefully it won't take two years. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, let's get into our plot and we'll start off with the Maeve sequences. Because we open up the episode with her picturing she's walking through the field with her daughter again. And then waking up in an empty field, realizing this is not real 
But Serac appears and says, it can be. <laughs> she has a choice to pick this or far worse alternatives. He also says the human memory is imperfect. Not for her kind, though. Every image she sees is recorded and stored. She has no past because it's always present. And again, does that make her species superior in some way? Being able to truly live in the present moment in a way that we as humans are not. We talk about this all the time in therapy. DBT, trying to be more present focused and remain in the moment. That's difficult to do. But to me, sometimes this feels like traumatic experiences. When you get flashbacks that pull up, they may have happened years ago, but they're just as real and vivid as if it was happening right now and almost leaves you unable to distinguish what is currently happening in reality. Now, this image of her daughter is beautiful, but also a little distressing. And you could imagine if that was a not so great memory. Although I suppose they would have the ability to erase that if they wanted to also, right? Sure. But she does have a past. Those images and things she can recall, though, never fade away into a true past the way they would for us. Immediate recall. Mm -hmm. Like opening an old file on your desktop. You're like, why is this here? What is this? (laughs) Well, Serac goes on to say he thinks Dolores is making Maeve sacrifice of dying for that world meaningless. But Maeve says she doesn't need any more incentive. What she needs right now is some concrete help. So he agrees to get her some, and she wakes again, this time in War World. She wasn't planning on returning, but while her body is being reprinted, she's prepping for the next battle. She has all the soldiers attack her, then controls them with her mind, bringing them forward one at a time to fight, until Lee arrives and takes her to the War World version of the Mariposa. So what do you think that was about? Narratively, I understand why they would do that as a show. It's just a lot more interesting. You have to show Maeve doing something to create the tension when Hale eventually comes in. If they just showed a computer screen and her printing and then Hale comes in, there would be some tension, but not as much as they have with the brilliant Tandy Newton freaking out, you know? So I see why they did that. But why War World again? And why have her fight? Is it for her to practice? So she says, but she already has these powers honed as far as we know. Now, we're going to get to some other powers in a minute, but I don't think that's related to this. You know, she suddenly realizes they've been moved. They're back at Delos. The first flash of she is really able to see through technology to be aware of what's happening in the outside world and to influence events in the outside world much as she did when she broke herself out of Serac simulation? Yes. I'm just wondering if it's this outside world because she's plugged into this system. So the Westworld system, she can see the cameras and look in there and sound an alarm because she's part of the whole ecosystem. Or can she do things like that in the real world or in whatever world? Um, well, that's what I mean. She did it when she was in Serac's version of the simulation, took control of that Oh yeah, robot had it free her pearl. Now, at the time, she was using, even within the simulation, a tablet to look up information. Here, she's just doing it with her mind. She can feel it. I'm thinking, and this might not be right, but the way I'm settling it in my mind is that it's similar to The Matrix, which we know the show has taken a lot of ideas from there because they like that movie, which another one we're going to come up to in a little bit. But when Neo realized he was the one He could read the code of the entire world, the ones and zeros, while it's happening, where he could stop a bullet. So any computer, any cameras, lights, if they're all set up into a system, and streetlights in the future 
will definitely be in it. I mean, a lot of houses now are fully smart, quote unquote, which is means they're all in a system. You can turn it off with your phone or your voice. If you can read the ones and zeros around you and you can control it like Neo, like Maeve, you can do that anywhere you walk. But I wonder if Serac is aware of this or this is a skill he would want her to improve. Did he put her in there just so she could talk to the other hosts, not realizing she is continuing to up those power levels? Or at least becoming to understand it more. Maybe while she was just in Westworld, she wasn't linked into that system yet, and she is now. I'm wondering if she's going to be the first one that's going to be able to talk to Robo. Oh, sure. Because she's in the system. Yeah, and I don't think that's something he would like. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, so in addition to realizing they're back at Delos, she also sees they're uploading a messed up control unit. An extra gift, which we're going to find out is the Martin Dolores host. But first, Hector's brought into the simulation. Maeve restores him to himself. You know, we see it flash external code alterations. Yeah. She's like, hello again. And she realizes they've brought in a copy of Dolores so that Maeve can get one step closer to killing her. Oh, he's brought me another gift. Yeah, so here's what he wants her to try. Practice getting over on Dolores in this world, so hopefully you can do it in the real world. And when Maeve wakes Dolores, Maeve says she is a gatekeeper of two species and holds a civilization's worth of data in her head. It's not right for one person to have all that power. Dolores comes back with, says the woman who can control us with her mind. <laughs> True, but I still don't think that Dolores has the entire map inside her brain. I was going to say that because what we're told is she has the encryption key. This is very different than all of the data, let's say, as it was downloaded into Peter Abernathy's brain ball. Yeah. Where he was not able to function. <laughs> she just has whatever that key is to access it, how it's been beamed up to the satellite. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think she has that either. I think it's in Bernard. Oh, you think it was moved? Yeah, for sure. Safety measure. What I really enjoyed is the purposefully putting this scene in the same spot that we've seen this many times last season and season one with Ford and Bernard, with Ford and Dolores, with Dolores and Dolores. It gives you that feeling. You know where you are. You've seen this before. A lot of callbacks that I enjoy. Yeah. Dolores thinks they're still in danger. And Serac is destroying as many hosts as he can. He's the real enemy to be fought. Neither of them are saint nor villain, her and Maeve. They're both survivors. But Maeve thinks there's this sticking point. Even if they were to work together, how could she ever trust Dolores? How could she know those in the sublime are safe when Dolores holds the key? And they both realize she really can't, and Maeve has no choice but to fight her. Dolores thinks the main version of her probably planned on that. They used to be the same, but their paths have changed, reiterating that. Yeah, and I think that's key. We have to remember that. I don't know necessarily that they're going to start fighting each other, but I think it's going to start enough rifts. There's still another one out there that we don't know about. I'm wondering what that one's doing, and I'm wondering what and how Musashi's feeling. Mm -hmm. I think right now Musashi's doing well because she's not leaning on him yet. Mm -hmm. It's not his turn to sacrifice, but I'm intrigued because they're sitting Maeve back for so long. And I think it can only get more interesting if these pieces start moving. Well, yeah, during this time, though, where we're feeling a little like it's stalling out in some of her scenes, couldn't we be going to Musashi Dolores? Even maybe we downplayed it with Martin Dolores, how they were starting to diverge in other ways, or did they just really want the impact to fall on Hale because she is the most At this point, separate? She's, she's the most, yeah. And although Maeve seems like it's stalling, we would be bitching and complaining if we didn't get more Maeve 
because I'm enjoying her scenes. Oh, I totally agree. I was going to say the one area I'm disappointed is we're not getting more Bernard. Because talk about somebody really being on the back burner. I got to tell you, that's one complaint, and that's the wrong word, because I really don't have a complaint with Westworld. But it's the one thing I'm thinking about is they always do this with Bernard. That's their anchor last season two where they just kind of use him and move him through to confuse us more and with his confusion and then you know eventually we get somewhere with him he's a plot device more than a character yeah absolutely and as one of the holders if this is in fact what he is of one of the original park creators if there is some version of arnold within him we should be getting more of him (laughs) yeah i'm very curious about that But a lot of our answers, now that we know for sure season four is greenlit, I don't think many of those will be answered in two episodes. Yeah, if we put Bernard to the side a bit because next season we're going to get to dive deeper with him, I am completely up for that now that I know there's a season four. But coming back to Martin Dolores, she is thinking that Maine Dolores would probably try to stop me from getting allies. That was likely her first response in firing back. And sure enough, it's then Maeve sees Hale approaching outside the simulation in the real world. Zone 3, Research and Development. Hale takes out Hector's pearl and smashes it in her hand. Smushes it, I should say, more like. It almost liquefies. Yeah, that's really too bad, but I'm glad that there's a sacrifice. There's something happening in Westworld. We now need to be worried about our hosts because Westworld will get rid of them. They're not just leaving it up to the extra Doloreses so that we can kill them. There's real characters dying. And it does make me wonder, that scene with Musashi Dolores, where he was going to cut open Maeve's head, Yeah, and we thought to take the pearl to utilize. Was it to take the pearl to destroy it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's awful. Very awful. This is also the part where Maeve screams, and you mentioned it appears to echo out into the real Delos world and set off some kind of alarm. I believe it echoed for dramatic effect. I think she set off the alarms. Right. Yeah. Not from the sound. But I wonder if intentionally or emotionally she's that linked in. Oh, I wonder. I wonder. We have had questions. If Robo is so good, how does he not know these things are happening? And I'm starting to think that Robo is really good at figuring out what people who who naturally fall in line living-wise. I think I tend to be more that person. I just want to go to work, get my work done, earn a living be creative. I don't want to make waves if I don't need to. Those people, Robo has an easier time. These outliers are just people that are less likely to be told what to do and to follow the footsteps at every angle. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're bad people or they're something wrong with them mentally. That's why we can't figure them out. They're just the outliers in everyday life. Unpredictable. Michael Jordan would have been an outlier because he took on the Bulls. He took on the general manager He didn't fall in line. A lot of our creatives, that's what's scary. A lot of our creatives who went and did amazing things. Elon Musk is an outlier. No way he falls in line ever. He finds ways to make money, to build these things that society says, you can't do that. NASA couldn't even do it. Mm -hmm. He would be in one of those rooms because Robo can't figure him out. He won't fall in line. Mm -hmm. So Robo is flawed. It's not this magical, amazing machine. Well, so I've been saying. (laughs) Yeah, but it's real when I say it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, finally, back to the Maeve storyline. We see that as men chase Hale out of that room, she grabs the Martin Dolores control unit. The men surround her, but she clicks a button on her phone. 
execute protection subroutine, activating the mech to come help her. And we're going to come back to that part of the Hale storyline in a minute. Okay. If you guys want to know, that's the way Christina says, shut up, don't say anything, we'll get back to it. Well, because Hale, <laughs> Hale's going to require yeah, no, more of a deep dive. So I just want to finish off by saying here, we get a last shot later on of Maeve's body as it finishes printing and she watches another come out of the printing machine. Let's talk about the possibilities. So we have one that's Maeve. We took a screenshot of the computer that had all the ID numbers. And one that everyone at this point, it sucks that we're late on podcasting because we knew this right away as well, is Clementine. And then we have Hector. Right. So that's three out of the four. Maeve, Hector, and Clementine. So we have one more. What are some possibilities? Panario from Shogun World. That's a great possibility. Um, a lot of people are saying she was at the premiere. Mm. So was Clementine. Mm-hmm. But we know Clementine for sure because of the ID number. Some people are saying Peter Abernathy. That I don't, would really mess with Dolores. Now, I wouldn't think that I don't think so. that's Maeve's ML. style. No. Except that Dolores just pulled a personal attack on her by taking out Hector, and it messed with her. Does she mean business now and know that bringing somebody like her father out would mess with Dolores? Yeah, but Hale just did that. This was already being printed. The body was already being yeah. printed, right. What are some other possibilities? I think that's it. Okay, get ready to get angry with me. Okay. Ford? <laughs> we can't say that anymore. Why? <laughs> I've played it out. Because <laughs> now okay, it never well, means anything. So <laughs> I like the ideas. If Maeve wants a soldier who's coming to help fight with her, back to what you were saying, though, somebody she knows she can trust, she's fought with them before. Armistice and, Hon- and Hanario are great options. My issue with that is if we go through everyone on this list... I could be mistaken. The body that's coming out of the printer, the face looked male to me. Oh, I have no idea. I I won't even... I jokingly said Ford. Well, so that's my problem is that you can't really tell, but if it is male, Mm -hmm. that just takes all those options off the table. And who are you left with that Maeve would want to bring back? If she can't have Hector, she can't have Lee. What about this? Another Maeve. I would hate it. People keep saying that, but... People would be like, all right, guys, enough. I mean, now... (laughs) And again, if it is a man that's still not answering that question, are there any any other hosts she could potentially be wanting to bring back? And so take my, my silly kind of option of Ford off the table. If there is no way that we can download human consciousness... Not yet. ...into a pearl, well, I mean, they sort of did it with Bernard, so far as we know by not actually taking that and putting it directly in, but having Dolores recreate through her own memories, her own idea of who Arnold was, almost make a new pearl for him, and thus she's able to combine the two and effectively put it into Bernard because they're not just trying to do a straight download. Okay. If you take the counterpart to Maeve being the favorite of Ford... Mm is why I could see her doing her own version of I can recreate him through my memories of him. But that is a little bit far-fetched. So removing that, we're coming back to the same problems that we did with trying to figure out who would be in the Dolores recreations until we found out it was all Dolores. I don't know who's really left that we're connected to that it would make an impact. So I guess I don't want to spend too much time on that. I'm not convinced it was a man. I could be wrong. Yeah. 
But how cool would it be if it was Ford? <laughs> I mean, I got to throw it out there. So let's go over to the Hale storyline. We open up by seeing a divergence in San Francisco. And as Hale walks home with Nathan, we get a picture of what's happening in society at large. There's global unrest following Insight's data leak. Rioting, businesses are closed, people are encouraged to stay inside and lock their doors. We hear sirens going off in the background. By the way, they pass people in an alley that are spray painting a version of the maze. Yep. So that's what, the third or fourth maze we've seen? And I don't know what to make of that if we don't want to get off onto this. It's a simulation sidetrack. It might just be them having fun. If you say coincidence. No, Easter eggs. Okay. Well, maybe. Dude, if after all this, you hear Ford's voice and he says, bring yourself back online. And it's one of the hosts that's just been tested. That's even worse than if this was in a simulation. It's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. I got to say, though, here, Nikki wrote in to tell us, in listening to our last episode, we were talking about how Rehoboam seemed to have mapped out bad endings for pretty much everyone. So I wasn't buying the immediate social discord. She said, I just wanted to add, I don't think people were upset about their endings. Think of how upset Caleb was when Dolores showed him the transcript of his day at the diner and knowing he was being manipulated and limited in his life choices. It seems to me that most people have no clue how much Rehoboam knows or controls, so I figured that was the most upsetting thing they learned as they saw their data. The general population was outraged beyond words, and that's why things fell into chaos. You and I did have a conversation following that that we cut from... Yeah, that was my fault, because we started to converse about it, but we weren't really on mic. We were kind of just talking. And I learned if we keep things in when we're kind of just talking, we get in trouble. So I cut it. And that's my fault. Because we weren't sure. It was my opinion that they had been shown their courses being plotted and altered, not just given their profiles. Right. So we were assuming they got a lot more information than what we saw. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that would create chaos. Oh, that would piss me off. If I got a whole download of manuscripts of what I've said and the fact that they're holding me back because of this, this, and this. And... And here's your future that they believe you're... I would be pissed too. Right. They're not just mapping out where your course is. They're actively trying to alter what everyone's course is. And we were unsure how much people knew about that beforehand, that some elements were being dictated. I think the extent of it was completely unknown, such as this person's not allowed to reproduce. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's going to cause anarchy. Absolutely. And when we say alter what they're doing, we mean alter it to make sure that their ending comes true. Not just their ending. This was kind of the conversation we were having last time. There are elements of their lives. If they think you're not fit to marry, yeah, you don't marry. Right. If you're not fit to have kids, you're not fit to have kids. This isn't just, are you going to live or die? Yeah, I, f- I have a feeling that as years went by, Robo was used for other things like the health initiative, let's say. And they were deciding, well, we need to stop. We don't have a cure, and we don't believe we'll ever have a cure for Alzheimer's. So what we need to do is stop the gene pool from reproducing, Mm -hmm. and eventually no one will have Alzheimer's anymore. Sure. So there's probably a lot of political fingers in there, maybe. Powerful people will do things in order to get become president, but now they're under Sirach's control forever, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. You don't have the freedom of your own life anymore. And I completely agree with you, Nikki. I think that's what sparked the chaos. So thank you for letting us know so we could clarify that. Coming back to Hale, she gets Nathan home and tells Jake she needs to get back to work, but she thinks she's scared, which is unlike her. Another emotion 
not only that she's experiencing as a host, but that the original Charlotte Hale probably would not have had. And Jake pointed that out. You're never scared. Mm-hmm. I love this, and I don't think it's being paid enough attention to that he admits he started to pull up his profile because he wanted to know what happened to them, but then decided not to read it, saying it's not up to a machine to decide their future. I like that in many ways, but in another way, it's concerning because he's willing to be controlled. And if you notice in the background, he has a poster that is a similar depiction of the Robo logo. I don't know if you noticed that. It's a circle, but it's painted. It's a very artistic version of it. No, I think he was quite literally saying the exact opposite here. They can't dictate what our future is going to be. Just because somebody sends me a file saying this is your profile and this is your life, I'm not going to agree with that. We're going to make our own choices. Now, that might be ignorant to think that you actually can do something other than what this godly machine tells you to do. But I like the mindset of seeing somebody calmly and peaceably say, I'm not just going along with that. Something to note, Jake's profile had the letter G next to it. Mm-hmm. And all the profiles we saw last week had the letter U. I don't know what that means. There's been speculation that G could stand for something like good, okay. U for unfit. I think even if that's not the exact terminology, the exact terminology probably doesn't matter. The idea of it sounds right. Next, as Hale arrives at Delos, Brompton tells her that the board is meeting in an hour, and Serac's takeover bid becomes final at noon. As they're strategizing fending him off, Brompton is grabbed and shot, followed by Hale being handed the phone and Serac telling her the privatization risk should no longer be a problem. <laughs> and he's on his way there right now. At this point, we're starting to wonder, is he onto her? When he gets on the phone, he makes it sound like, no, it's all good. I took care of the potential risk. That's great, right? I'll be there soon. Into meeting, we're still on the same side, but I'm not afraid to use whatever force is necessary. By the way, everything's so chaotic right now that they won't notice if I take some people out. It feels like he might be coming a little more unglued. She tries to play it off, but nervous afterwards, she calls Dolores to tell her that she failed. There's still time to salvage what we can. I need you to get the host-making data from Delos before Ciroc destroys it. You can't ask me to go back in there. What if I get caught? You won't. I know what you're capable of. Do you promise that to Connell's too? You're not the one risking your life. And it's not just me in danger. Sorak will come after my family. They're not your family. Like I said before, this is one of the key moments where I'm starting to feel that divergence. And how scared. She's really connected at that point and looking for reassurance from Dolores. But Dolores is saying, you, you got to stop this. This is detracting you from the mission. Hale says she wonders why they couldn't have just burned the emotion out of their code. They had the ability to do that. But Dolores thinks if they changed themselves to survive, what would it matter if they did? I mean... That reminds me of Segmenting yourself off into parts is kind of changing yourself, Dolores. Yeah, but I don't think she changed herself. It's not like she took a piece of her soul. She took code. Isn't that the equivalent for them? If I have certain parts of my coding, let's say I was a mother that make me nurturing and care about my family. And then I have other parts that are rational and logical and make me a good worker. And then I have these parts over here that are creative and emotional. If I start taking them out piece by piece and placing them into something else, I'm changing myself. 
I'm not sure that that's what she did. I think she copied the ones and zeros. Right. So she's still 100% all of that. Right. But these other things are straying further and further from it. I just think it's muddying the line. She thinks everything she does is justified, but has no problem finding the flaws in the way other people are handling things. <laughs> That's every bad guy. Mm-hmm. Well, now Serac arrives at Delos. While waiting, by the way, Hale traces that circle line shape on mm-hmm. her chest. She's not comfortable. He orders them to lock down the facility. And as the Delos signs change over to Insight signs, and Serac puts his plans into motion, we see the divergence on his Rehoboam watch growing smaller. It's done. Have asset management retask all the corporate satellites to the park facility. I have three additional assets for them to copy over. Once they've been transferred, you can destroy everything else. Destroy it? That's the better part of a trillion dollars in intellectual property, the company's legacy. And I want all of it erased. The only thing I want out of this place is what you promised me, the encryption key, which apparently I'm going to have to retrieve myself. The rest can burn. We have one other pressing problem. Dolores made multiple copies of herself, given the strategic importance of Delos. There is no doubt one here as well. I want all employees tested for aberrations, memory lapses, any significant deviations from Rehoboam's predictions. No one leaves until then. So if I was him, I would have gone this route. I don't know if I would have burned trillions of dollars of stuff. What is the point? I mean, I guess for him, money is easy to come by. I don't know. There could be more dangers there to him, like a Dolores. It just feels a little bit crazy. Well, Hale agrees, but then rushes down to the simulation room, where she downloads the package to an external device. Her phone? Her phone can hold all this data? Right now, we can get phones that are nearly a terabyte. In the future, maybe you can get like a hexabyte phone. Do you know how many crazy amounts? (laughs) Four million souls, I think, just of guest data. And that's not even the host data. Maybe their compression abilities are really good there. I mean, (laughs) and as a man catches her making the backup, she kills him to stop him from telling Serac. She checks on the man in black. By the way, using that protein tracker that she put on him. Now we know what that prick was tracking to be able to follow him and then she goes to the print lab which is where she sees the four hosts currently being printed in different phases of completion so i'm assuming that dolores needed to know where do these outliers go and by using the man in black as a mole now they have an exact location where we find out bernard is there already so is this when they're going to because we know dolores is out there so maybe dolores is already on her way are they going to come face to face bernard Stubbs and William in a hallway, and in comes Dolores and Caleb. Well, I don't know. I think this was certainly her plan to track William so that she could send Bernard there for whatever reason. But I think very soon they all have to meet up, right? We're getting to the end of the season, so Maeve included. But coming back here, Hale then calls Jake to tell them she's coming home in a half an hour to get them. But on the way out, she's informed Serac called another board meeting. If she is this concerned, Mm -hmm. why does she go to this meeting? She has to know this can't end well. She's got the data she wants now. Her primary objective is to get her family out of there. Buy herself time. There's no reason to stay. But if that board meeting goes well, she has more time to get her family out. I suppose it just feels like a real 
missed opportunity? She wasn't getting out of that building. Maybe not. She finds a way later, though, under much worse pressure. Going into the meeting first, Serac confesses he knows that she's the host, and he knows that she is Dolores. He thinks that the real Hale wouldn't have taken the time to check on her son with everything that happened. This can't have been his only tip-off, though. He's been on to her. He must have been on to her. For quite some time. And he had an inkling of what was happening. That's why when he called, we took that fellow board member out. It was him. I felt there was a tone in his voice where he still had a thought, or at least an idea, that it was Hale. Yeah, does this go back to her using as the password the tones of You Are My Sunshine that she sang to her son? All of these little red flags that the real Hale wouldn't have put the precedent on the relationship with Nathan? But also the fact that this was his tip-off. Elliot Todd, I guess Rehoboam, isn't taking into account the video message Hale left for Nathan when she was dying in the park last season. But that's what I mean. There was on record Hale putting in a message to her son. Maybe, I, I think that could probably be dismissed by the system as people in their dying moments will do things that are out of the norm, that don't necessarily fall into the typical pattern. I suppose so, but I would argue that since she had that traumatic episode where she thought she was going to die, she took different value into her family. Took more value into her family. When I thought I was going to die, the only thing I could think about was Nathan. Right. I mean, I... I <laughs> Is it human nature, though, then when you go back to, I'm not dying, all of those great promises that you made yourself. I don't know when it's this, that traumatic. This comes back to the do people ever really change, whether mm. the impetus is good or bad. Do we have the ability to diverge our path? Well, regardless, it was enough for, to tip him off to at least follow her. Mm-hmm. And then in following her, he saw that she was downloading the information and probably saw her knock out one of his men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess... The question you're dancing around here is, did she actually manage to complete that download or did he stop her? She completed the download, but Mm -hmm. his thought was to stop her before she left and kill her. Yeah. The next question is, did she upload it anywhere before the car blew up and or does she still have the phone? Mm -hmm. What happened to it? (laughs) And it's not destroyed. Agreed. What happened to it? So while being questioned, she takes off her wristband. I don't know what that means. Her bracelet. Yeah. Puts it in her purse. Did that activate the smoke bomb the or canister? something? The canister? I have no idea. I think she did do something to it before she put it down on the table, and we see it's filled with some kind of poisonous gas. Everyone in the room is killed, but when she tries to actually shoot Serac, she realizes he's not there. Well, hello. Of course he's not. The smoke's not affecting him. And she knows him. She must surely know at this point that he doesn't physically come to most of these. So you think mm-hmm. they're dead or just knocked out? I think they're dead. Oh, okay, yeah. And after she manages to get Martin Dolores' pearl and activate the mech, we say she's able to smash her way out of the building and limp away. Yeah, that limp was not the best (laughs) acting. Uh, Guys, watch the limp again. It was weird. I really like Tessa Thompson, and I think she does a great job with all these scenes. I love the next scene in the car. Yeah, that was great. And crawling out how that was acted. That was her double. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> well, she actually got all of that makeup put on, though. Yeah, be- the close-up. So once they have the close-up on her face uh-huh. and, and she does the emotional part, that's her. But it was too close to the fire oh. for her to be in. So that was her double, okay. her stuntman. Sorry. Well, her stuntman did a well really done. good job. Yeah. And I don't mean to rag on her because most of her performance is great. There was just something weird. Yeah. That whole scene. Now, first of all, I love big, heavy machines kicking ass. Mm-hmm. But 
the graphics looked a little off. He's kind of just kicking them. When it comes out of the building, bit. when it comes out of the building, it just looks off somehow. Yeah. The lighting, maybe there wasn't enough shine on it. It looked computer. Yeah. No big deal. I was into it. I was into this big mech kicking ass, just throwing people across. That was so cool. Well, so she does manage to escape. She rushes back home, getting Nathan and Jake into the car and asks Jake to trust her. She will keep them safe. Yeah, this show really makes Jake look like Mm. an amazing person. He's so forgiving. He won't look at the file. He's ignoring the fact that she's been shot twice and allowing himself and his kid to go into a car where she's like, we got to get out of (laughs) here. Well, because I think he does believe he's seeing a turnaround in her. He had mentioned he was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt for so long that she'd been through this trauma at Delos, but she was never really present even before that. Now he sees a difference. She seems to care more. Maybe they can reconnect. You know, this is the whole, I'm not going to let the machine decide for us. Maybe we could make this work. The fact that she's so concerned she leaves work puts their safety as top priority. Yeah, that's a new thing. So, yeah, he's willing to go with her. It's so tragic. Mm. that these are the final moments. And after the car explodes, we see the burnt hail crawling out of the wreckage. The visual here to me was incredible, that parts of her skin underneath looked like they were still on fire Mm -hmm. and burning. And Clatchers, you should watch the behind the scenes on that, how they made that car explode. They did it off-site because that road was too skinny and it wasn't safe to explode a car there. They did it in a parking lot with a Jeep, a completely different car in the parking lot, remapped out mathematically where every tree is, where every building is, mm. so that they would have the camera in the same location when they drove the regular car through the real street. And then they superimposed both of them together and made a beautiful explosion. Well, and Tessa Thompson in an interview said that months before they started production, she was sent to get a full body cast made. She said it's this crazy process. They put all these goos on you and you have to <laughs> breathe through straws while they're doing it. Oh, my claustrophobia. But she said they were very smart timing-wise. They did it at the end of the day, so she didn't have to sit in it for long hours. Oh, nice. But yeah, they had to do all of that makeuping and production so that, I guess, for the close-up shots, they could film that. Well, now going on to our last and my favorite segment, the scenes with William. We open with him at the Inner Journeys Recovery Center, sitting in a group therapy session, where a man talks about putting his faith into God. William replies... Humanity is a thin layer of bacteria on a ball of mud. Hurtling through the void. I think if there was a God, he would have given up on us long ago. He gave us a paradise and we used everything up. Dug up every ounce of energy and burned it. We consume and excrete, use and destroy. Then we sit here on a neat little pile of ashes, having squeezed anything of value out of this planet, and we ask ourselves, why are we here? You want to know what I think your purpose is? It's obvious. You're here along with the rest of us to speed the entropic death of this planet, to service the chaos. We're maggots eating a corpse. First of all, dark. Dark. And again, is it literal? Is this planet dying? Well, I mean, we talk about that 
as a society already. That is a really close callback to The Matrix. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. So the perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus. Evolution. Like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. Well, I mean, this could explain the whole purpose of an idea of creating hosts and wanting to upload human consciousness. If it's getting to a point where we're not going to be able to live on this planet, you know, Sarek thinks he can save it, he can fix it, maybe. But perhaps people like Ford and Arnold wondered, oh, is there a way we should adapt ourselves? Next, in a one-on-one session with his therapist, Natasha Lang, William says he doesn't belong there. He doesn't need therapy to confront the truth because he knows what he did. He says, I spent so long playing the game, I couldn't see outside of it. But I see now. It was Emily, and I killed her. The doctor wants him to participate in therapy used with veterans suffering from PTSD. Here, AR therapy. We'll talk about real-life applications later on in our closer look. But there it is again, augmented reality. Uh, Again, I kept thinking during this, like, if you could use that as a tool, that'd be amazing. You would need my help with the technology, but... Well, that's what I'm saying. We actually do, in some cases, use a version of this, VR therapy. We're going to talk about that later on, though. Here we see that William's file says patients show signs of depression, delusions, and hallucinations, PTSD, survivor syndrome, narcissistic personality disorder. He's slated for therapy three to five times a week, 
45 to 60 minute sessions for an estimated duration of three months. So we don't know how long he's already been there. There's kind of a question of once he gets put into that AR and forgotten about how long oh boy. was he left. But we're not yep. sure even at this point how long. Well, once <laughs> he was put into that chair, it's not that long because the body can't survive without water for four days, five days? Three days. Yeah, I mean, not supposed to be. If everyone that's in the facility didn't just peace out. Well, yeah, for sure. But I don't think he was sitting there that long at that point. If he's a human, no. But that's the train of thought that people are following. Okay. I guess I'm fighting that so much I did not hear that in what you were saying. Yeah. I I don't really want to go there either. What is interesting here is comparing the file they have on him to the Delos profile. If you remember when Ford was talking about having profiles on them, we got to look there that William was a rare occurrence, 0.0072% of people, persecutory, paranoid, and delusional. Unfortunately, the doctor isn't really paying attention to what William's saying right now as she keeps getting alerts on her phone. And finally checking it, she starts crying as she sees her file and a message from Alex, presumably her husband, saying, I've taken the kids, don't try to contact us. Now her file says, life projection, Loss of medical license in one to two years. Divorce slash loss of custody, 2.5 years. Risk factors, multiple affairs with patients, opioid addiction, overall assessment, borderline personality disorder. So even the docs got a bad projection. Yep. As the husband, I would probably leave and take the kids as well. No one's impervious to the negativeness of robo. Now, I read, I think... I think a lot of people got this wrong. They assumed that she was that she already got fired. I was reading that in 2.5 years she will get fired she, because of her she'll lose her license. Addiction. Yes, and that's why she killed herself because she had nothing to live for at that time. If anymore. she loses her medical license in a year, she she's done. Her career is done now. Her family is done. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, and then divorce, loss of custody, two to five, two point five. But yeah, she didn't just get fired then. It's the same theme of whatever it tells me is inevitable. That's why they're going to such lengths. If this is how my life is going to end. It is inevitable if Robo's in control. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's inevitable without that influence. Yeah, I don't think it's right. Next, William's taken to the lab where they retrieve a blood sample. By the way, the nurse mentions they better be getting overtime because half the staff has already disappeared and it's not safe there, quote unquote. We see it unfolding already. Signaling the impending disaster. On the lab screen they're running on William, we do see that unknown protein detected. Synthetic markers found also. There's trace barbiturates and alcohol. Not a surprise. But that's where we see tracing data transmission and that he's being tracked by Dolores. And the location is somewhere in Mexico. They then install the drip inside William's palate. Damn it. Brutally. I kept thinking about the palate spreader that I had when I was younger. It looks the same way. And if you ever needed to have one of these things, no, they're not drilling it into the roof of your mouth, but it's borderline close to as barbaric. Well, I kept thinking, how disgusting are these drips going to get with food and stuff getting stuck in it? Yeah, well, mine was pretty bad and there was space up and around it. This thing is maybe it's connected right to the roof of your mouth so it doesn't. No, it's Uh, still going to get in. It's clearly awful. I mean, why do they not knock him out for this procedure? Well, they don't give a shit. 
I guess not. And when he gets upset, they order one hour in the desert oasis to calm him down. (laughs) While being taken back to his room, he sees the doctor hang herself. Sometime later, he's taken into a white room and strapped down. Dr. Alpert comes in, introducing himself and saying he'll be the one to oversee the AR treatment, monitoring from the next room. He warns him the experience can be visceral, but it is safe. And as the glasses are put on, William sees the child version of himself, follows him into a sunny bedroom where the boy is reading a book, Sir Rowan and the Lady of Soulan. Now, this book does not exist in real life. We don't think so. It seems as though it was a Westworld creation. And it harkens back to season one when the man in black tells Dolores that all he had were the books as a kid. And then you have the posters behind him in the bedroom are all westerns, which I'm surprised people didn't go down down the rabbit hole of he's been crazy forever and this is all in his head the whole time type mm. of thing. Like This isn't actually real. None of it is real. There is no Westworld. Mm-hmm. Or the main story is actually all just about him. Well, the main story being just about him, I could maybe entertain that notion. He definitely is quite pivotal in a way that maybe we had allowed ourselves to forget after not seeing him for a while and then anticipating that last scene of season two would be in a far-flung future. But he's still important right now. That is emphasized through these scenes. Yeah, I mean, starting this season, I thought we weren't going to see him till maybe the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised with all the great scenes we're getting with him. Well, as he's watching outside, his parents are arguing about the boy. But in the present, William yells to be let out, and he's given a sedative orally. We think that's not real. He's still in the AR. He's imagining that happened to him. Because then an orderly who looks like Major Craddock comes and takes him to a room where people are sitting around the table. I doubt that was the host, Major Craddock. Another production of his mind, things that he's felt guilty about in the past. For sure, because he killed him. Mm -hmm. But he killed him for a good reason. Yes. It was actually a a white hat moment. This is all part of the justifications, rationalizations that we'll see in a moment. William tells himself there was always a reason for the things he did. It wasn't him or he was justified. He's not the bad guy. You know, he sees, sitting around the table, all of these different versions of himself. In addition to him, there are four. There's corporate William, dressed in a tux. Adult William, with Jimmy Simpson back. Good to see him here. The man in black, with his black hat on. And child William. First of all, I thought this was brilliant. I was so excited to see them all in a room. I was like, oh my God, I love this. It's like the Mr. Robot version. We're all seated around a table, and we're going to have a chat. And it made me think about, like, what if I could sit down with different moments of myself? What would I say to myself? Guaranteed, my younger child, my younger self would be like, that's what I look like. (laughs) Well, William doesn't like it. He doesn't like any of it. What's also excellent, we have James Delos back moderating. Peter Mullen just killing it. All of the personalities are wondering how this happened and denying responsibility for the place they wound up. By the way, I keep telling you to watch Ozark. You like Peter Mullen so much. I do. He challenges them here, saying he thinks they're feeling sorry for themselves. And William has told this story so many times, he might even believe it's true. Why is it not true? Well, child William sees the father come into the room, yelling that the teacher called to inform them of an incident at school. Another kid was making fun of him, apparently called his father a drunk. So he fought him, but he didn't just fight. He broke his arm and knocked out three teeth. I say good for you. Well, the father wonders what the hell is wrong with him. 
showing this definitely is not the first time William has exhibited violent behaviors. Maybe they're even worried he's got sociopathic tendencies. Yeah, so basically it's telling us that it wasn't Westworld that made him this way. He had these tendencies before. Since he was a kid. Which is hard to think about when we first met young William. He was so seemingly anti-violence and all that stuff. He was really a white hat. But clearly damaged, Mm. looking to prove something to himself at the time we were comparing him to Logan's behavior. True. So he was good compared to him, but it went so wrong. (laughs) You know, you do wonder what was going on with William that it took him to this place. And we find out it goes pretty far back. In fact, present William wonders if he ever had a choice or if this was always the inevitable end. James Delos said, did your life just happen to you or did you choose it? And William responds, if you can't tell, does it matter? (laughs) Famous words. He then thinks he knows what he needs to do. And you cut to the other versions of himself lying dead and bloody on the floor as he beats adult William with a chair. Prisoner of your own sins. Yeah, but I'm free now. Why is that, my boy? Doesn't matter what I've been. Good or bad. Everything we've done has led to this. And I finally understand my purpose. I'm the good guy. Oh, William. I do want to see him firmly come over to the side where he wants to fight for good. This is not psychologically the way that you get there by needing to literally kill these other parts of yourself that you can't come to terms with. Yes, live in the present moment. But all of that is part of you. It's still a part of you, whether you beat out these parts in AR or not. What he needs to do is accept them in and integrate it, be okay with himself. And I really don't think he's done that. Well, this is your typical decoherence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, it's then that Bernard and Stubbs arrive, pulling him out of the AR, and Bernard thinks the doctors must have forgotten about him in all the chaos. Or left him, Stubbs adds. As we talk about the possibility of the man in black becoming a true white hat and being a good guy, I ask myself, I still don't know what is good. Because we've seen that humans are bad. What they're doing to the hosts are bad. What the human making robo is bad. There's so many bad I know that there shouldn't be killing. I know that there shouldn't be putting these hosts on these horrible loops. But what team does the Men in Black join now? I think the only thing that makes sense, of course, he would be against Serac. Sure. With Rehoboam controlling the world. If he wasn't already enough anti-Dolores, he certainly has gotten (laughs) to an anti-Dolores place now. For sure. So who else is there besides Maeve? She wants all the hosts to go into this sublime, Mm -hmm. which is away from the humans, in their own world, and then everything's peaceful. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, I guess, is totally the white hat, but we'll find out. Well, Jason, all of that takes us to our reverie rating for the episode. So on a scale of one to ten, what do you give episode six? I'm liking all of these episodes, and they're, I mean, it's really difficult to continue grading these. I'm going to go up a notch and say 8.8 on this episode. I really enjoyed it. I love the, the multiple Williams, Williamses. <laughs> I'm curious to find out 
what Hale's going to do next. Is she going to get a new body? Or are we going to see her like this forever? When we come back, is Westworld and Delos going to be destroyed? I don't think so. I hope not. I think it still, in a sense, needs to be Delos against Serac. If that's the man in black now, I'm going to be a good guy back in charge of my company. Well, I, I mean, he can't get back in charge. Serac officially owns it now. And everyone else in the board is dead. Right now, so far as we know. But also... If the facility is still there and they did manage to save the data and they have some allies on their side. But maybe the actual park, though, is going to be burnt, which would harken back to the last scene that we saw last at the end of season two where everything was burnt and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't that the world was, but Westworld itself was burnt and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I'm going to agree with you because I like it pretty much the same as I did... Episode 3, The Absence of Field, which I also gave an 8.8. And we are going long. We seem to have talked too much this episode. But we're on to our Clatcher section, The Most Valuable Being, where every week via Twitter, at CKC Podcast, we ask our Clatchers, who is your MVB? And what are your thoughts? This week, we gave Serac, Maeve, William, and Hale. Hey, there's no Dolores there. (laughs) That's true. And we're not going to break down each one. We're just going to say coming in fourth place with 3.9% was Serac. Third place with 11.8% was William. In second with 21.6% was Maeve. And first place, okay, there is a Dolores kind of. Yeah. (laughs) With 62.7% hail. And our Clatchers wrote in to say... Uh, Lewis starts out, okay, Hale technically wins this, but I'm still giving it to Maeve because screw you, Dolores, <laughs> team Maeve all the way. Kirk, I was so tempted to give my vote to Maeve for her sexy seamed stockings and sultry seductive sentence. A lady likes a little warm up before you brandish your weapon at her. I loved that. But he went for Charlotte, aka Hale, because I am team Dolores in all of her most manifestations, host manifestations. I, you know... If it is definitive by the end of this season and Maeve is on the good guy side, you better give it to her at least once. You got to do it, man. But Sherry Ava says, I agree with Kirk. Maeve had the best line at the opening of episode six. And Tandy Newton is always so classy as she annihilates her enemies. But my MVB is Holoris, who seems more humane as she seeks to improve and evolve into the best version of herself. Meanwhile, Serac kills innocent men and children to stop progress because it's his way or else. Brian C., Hale is the least Dolores of the Dolori <laughs> and seems to be rebelling against the entire plan. I agree with that. That's why us voting Hale does not say Dolores right now. I posted this with five minutes to go in the episode. Now I have no idea what Hale Dolores will do. And Elliot Todd, in response to that, brought up a good point. She has the other Dolores pe- pearl. Unless it was ruined in the explosion. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Her phone, the info on it, the pearl. She was carrying a lot on her. What happened to that stuff? And then finally, Brian C. continues to say, Sometimes during the podcast, I have to remind myself that Hale and Maeve are not Hale Appleman and Stella Maeve. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Some magician's reminiscence. Jessica Grant says, I was hoping Haloris' fan would stick around for a while. That got me in the feels. Didn't get the far-fetched armistice comeback that I was gunning for. But I did wish out loud for young William. Didn't notice the music in this episode, which has to be a first. Yeah, I don't think there were any covers of recognizable song. It was just Jawadi scoring. Yeah, and that's why we didn't go through a music segment. Good, we're not the only ones. 
Yeah, Elliot Todd saying Michael Ely is a fantastic actor and commenting on what we mentioned last time, that he was in Almost Human, where he played... He was awesome in that, too. ...a robot with human emotions. Daniel says, Hale definitely both furthered the plot and revealed the opposite of what I thought about the human versus AI battle. Rather than Charlotte affecting Dolores, it's the program Dolores that has changed Hale. While I enjoyed this episode much better than the previous, I still found so many plot holes and odd choices. I am also less clear on the overarching message, and the idea of bringing out a more positive view of humanity seems lost. But I will wait and reserve judgment. And finally, Joe Parks says, I loved the Williams simulation. You can see future events unfolding from that. That's who I voted for. However, the Maeve dilemma is intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to vote for Hale because there was so much amazing plot furthering here, but we can't forget she did still kill Hector. <laughs> escape with the Martin Dolores Pearl, which we don't want any more of those damn things running around. She's not really a good guy yet. She is not. And we assume she's going to be leaving this episode going up against Dolores. But who knows? I was tempted to go with Maeve, but she didn't further the storyline a lot. I don't think she's going to go against Dolores until she meets Maeve. I think she has the best chance of being brought into the Maeve fold, but I don't think she'll do it by herself. I think she's scared of Dolores, to be honest with you. Well, long story short, I have to go with William. It was my favorite parts of the episode. He pushed everything further. I have to agree with you. William all the way. He pushed the storyline fillery and further. <laughs> Clatchers, don't forget, you could also call into us. CKC.6606-252-368-6606. And let your voice be heard. Moving on to our closer look, I said I was going to come back around to this idea of AR therapy, how they talk about using it for veterans suffering from PTSD. We do currently have something that is VR-based, virtual reality exposure therapy, that is increasingly being used to treat a variety of anxiety disorders, specific phobias, and even PTSD. Now, if you're not familiar, regular exposure therapy targets behaviors that people engage in usually avoidance of certain things in response to thoughts or memories that are viewed as frightening, anxiety-provoking. And if not addressed, these behaviors can become more extreme and interfere with a person's quality of life. So for instance, let's say that you got into a car accident and it was on the highway with a big truck. You might start out by avoiding large trucks when you're driving on the road, trying to move a couple of lanes over, not wanting to be close to them. This might extend to you don't want to drive on the highways anymore because you're afraid that that could happen. Maybe after that, you can't even drive at all. Perhaps you can't even get near or inside of a car. The avoidance can keep spreading and spreading until it's really interfering with all of these different parts of your life. And so exposure therapy has the person actively confront the things that they are fearing the most in a very gradual, controlled way, you might start by thinking about, imagining yourself sitting behind the wheel of a car. You would work on that until it becomes less intimidating. Let's say you rank the intensity to which that scares you. You don't start out with the one on the top of the list. Maybe sitting behind the wheel is a five out of a 10, but you would repeat that experience of exposing them in their mind until it came down to a two or a one out of 10. And then you might go on to the next challenging situation, working your way up to getting near a car, actually sitting inside of the car but not going anywhere, driving as a passenger in the car, so on and so forth, until you're able to now deal with a lot of those things that used to be triggers for you. By confronting these feared situations, thoughts, and emotions, the intensity lessens until 
The trauma itself becomes just another memory, not a constant, overwhelming, and active condition. Now, for exposure therapy to be effective, as you're listening to this, you might imagine it's important that people confront a situation that closely maps onto what they fear. If I put you behind a bicycle, it's not going to come close enough to simulating the fear that you feel being behind the wheel of a car, right? However, this might not always be possible for a person with PTSD, depending on where their initial trauma comes from. For example, a vet who developed PTSD as a result of combat exposure wouldn't be able to go back into that combat situation necessarily and confront it. They might not even be able to go to the location where the combat took place. It would be unsafe to do so. This is where virtual reality technology comes in. Here, an individual is immersed in a computer-generated virtual environment, either through the use of these head-mounted sets or into a computer-automated room where the images are present all around them. The program has been primarily examined in Vietnam War combat veterans, but researchers developed this program called Brave Mind VR software, and this is kind of interesting. They did it by leveraging virtual art assets that were originally built for the commercially successful Xbox game, Full Spectrum Warrior. The current application consists of a series of scenarios designed to represent relevant contexts, so Middle Eastern-themed cities, desert, road environments, things that veterans who are part of OEF and OIF would have been exposed to. In addition to the visual stimuli, you could have directional 3D audio, vibrations, and even smells to make the simulation more realistic. Right now, though, this is pretty much solely being utilized at VA hospitals and treatment centers, and even then only a select few, and you have to be working with a therapist who's very familiar with the technology, so it's not just like anybody or even every any veteran could go and get that. Hmm. But it's the closest thing we have to what you're seeing in this show. At this point, yeah. But being able to have all the information that Robo has and actually depict you as a child perfectly would be amazing. Or the real memory, not just a simulated virtual closeness of the location, right. but your concrete memory. I mean, yeah. now... People who undergo this type of therapy, even people who I've just done exposure therapy with, and you're talking imagined, not even in vivo, they're just thinking about it, can so easily become overwhelming. And you really need to pace that out in gradual exposure or you're going to get flooded. You go into this situation, mm. there's going to be a lot of prep work because that could go south really fast. I mean, as William demonstrates. <laughs> Well, I think in reality, you wouldn't have allowed that to happen that long. You would take it in steps. Maybe the first time you go in there, there's only one depiction of your past. Not all of them at once. Well, certainly, but also there's going to be a lot of prep work and establishing coping skills and relaxation techniques, grounding mechanisms before he ever even gets into the AR. For sure. And then I'm going to be relatively close where the therapist can speak to him if there's trouble. It's not going to go like this. Yeah, I, well, I think he would have been close if he didn't bounce on everybody, the therapist. Yeah, but that's not even his therapist. I don't know if that's the one doctor on staff or the psychiatrist. He might that... just be the v VR doctor. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess another last question that that brings up for me is, are they truly trying to treat people using therapy that can actually help them overcome certain things? 
and grow as people? Or is this just a method where they can get that drip installed, have chemical control over them, make sure the outliers are no longer outliers, and eventually possibly even wipe, change some of those memories before they leave? I think the answer lies inside of Caleb. And that's how we'll find out what they normally do. Patreon Clatchers, we just dropped our coffee break. It was another really fun coffee break episode. So check that out. And our Clatchers have voted. Our movie this month will be The Fifth Element, which is one of yes. our favorite, favorite old time movies. Long time classic that I can't believe we haven't done before now. So keep an eye out for that movie review over on Patreon. If you haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? You got all the time in the world. You listen to us. You know you like our style. You want to help us out a little bit for less than the price of one Starbucks coffee. You can get more content from us and know that you're helping us out. And a big shout out to our two new iTunes reviews. To our three new reviews. Three, Jason. That we got on iTunes. Shout out to Delosandra, Esky89, and Boston WS07. Also to C.P. Steven. Just left one today. Oh, four. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. He came for Mr. Robot and stayed for Westworld. From one robot to the other. (laughs) That's the way to do it. Well, that's a lot. So we're going to end it there for this episode. It just leaves us with the spoiler section. If you are afraid of that, we will see you next time when we review episode seven, the penultimate for the season. So for those of you who are still here for the spoilers, we know that next time, episode 7 will be called Past Pawn. The description is a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. Now in chess, a past pawn or a passer is a pawn with no opposing pawns to prevent it from advancing to that 8th rank where it's the player's choice of promotion. You can go up from a pawn to a queen. Yep. If you want to. Past pawns are particularly important because they are often of decisive significance in the end game. So somebody who seemed just a pawn <laughs> up Uh-oh. until now oh, snap. can maybe get queened and go up against. Who could that be? <laughs> well, in the preview, we see this odd visual that we go to a satellite and it looks like it's shooting or dropping something out. Yeah. I have no idea what that's about. But they say, let's start at the beginning. We see Caleb repeatedly taking something into his mouth that looks like a wafer. Not sure if that's one of those drugs, kind of like we saw earlier in the season, that interacts with the drip. Mm. But he's having a hard time remembering. Dolores says, you spend your whole life believing you're a follower. Lead. And she shows him a machine. Very curious. And I can't wait like every week. But it's our second to last one. Oh my goodness. This season went by fast. Clatchers, thank you so much for listening to us. We'll see you next week where we have some answers and even more questions. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me.